We are back with the 164th edition of the Quarantine Cast. As always, I'm really excited for this one, but uh, but I'm very, very excited for this one because not only am I having a repeat guest on, I'm having someone who just arguably picked up one of their biggest wins of uh, of, of their career, Rob Font, his head coach, Tyson Chartier. How you doing? Doing good, man. Just you know, getting back on that East Coast time zone, still soaking up the... Uh... The after effects of no sleep for a couple of days, but uh, yeah, man, good problems to have. Yeah, it's been it's been a long uh, long year of traveling, whether that's in a car or you know driving across the country or flying across the world. What's it like getting acclimated to all these different time zones and then having to get back out on the road again? It's tough, but you know you get like the kids at home that they they're on a schedule, so you kind of if you want to see them, you got to get adjusted to the schedule right when you get back home. But this last one was kind of tough because we had. You know, obviously, you don't go to bed really the night after the fight, and then we stayed in Vegas a little bit longer, took a red eye home, and I don't really sleep while I'm playing. So it was like two nights where I didn't sleep and the adrenaline dump, and it was tough. I was pretty screwed up for a couple of days. But, yeah, generally, it's like you usually have someone else in camp, so you don't have a lot of time to, you know, just kind of recover. But um, right now, fortunately, everybody's kind of making fights. we got a few days here where, uh, you know, Rob's licking his wounds, Calvin's traveling to Texas to see family, and uh, – you know, kind of uh, in a little bit of a holding pattern. We get, you know, Tom will be hopefully going to fight here soon, and then we'll be uh, ramping up with him. I want to talk about uh, the past year in fight. Like you said, you talked about uh, Calvin, Rob, and, and Tom, but obviously Rob was the most recent winner. So I'd like to touch on him first. As a as a coach, how do you assess his performance? I mean, as as a fan, I thought it was remarkable. Uh, looked composed against a guy very dangerous, but but as a coach, how do how do you assess it? Yeah, I mean, as a fan, you're going to be like, oh, that was a masterpiece. That was a perfect uh, execution. You know, and that's what you're supposed to do. You just see someone dominate. But as a coach, it's our job to be picky and, and almost like be hypercritical and, and look at things, you know, the couple things that he did wrong and think, oh, okay, how can we make sure that that doesn't happen next time, you know? Because there's no performance that's ever going to be perfect, you know, unless you walk out there with a one punch, knock him out, and you can't argue with that, you know, the Masvidal over uh, – aspirin type thing but um you know it, it's just our job to go down break down the 25 minutes of film and um think like of a couple of things that we did go wrong and figure out how why they went wrong and, and try to make sure that it doesn't happen again in the next fight because you know you only get to make so many mistakes in fights before it potentially cost you and um you know it's our job as coaches to make sure that uh we're, we're trying to mitigate them happening in the future but i mean Without being critical, you know, just putting my my friend and fan hat on, uh, man, that was that was amazing. I'm just super proud of Rob. I think he took all the lessons that he learned in his prior losses uh, in the UFC and and um, showcased that he's learned from them. You know, the the first loss against Lineker, he got a little overwhelmed by the bright lights and um, the, in the moment, and that didn't clearly happen this time. You know, main event, bright lights, and former champ of Cody Garbrandt, and he handled it like a champ. The media was a big deal, and you know he he, he performed. And um, you know, then you look at the the Pedro Munoz fight where he uh, you know he, he was doing really well, and then just lost focus for a minute. And and you know we talked about that after as a team, and he did he lost focus for a little bit, and then he, he it cost him. You know, he got clipped, and then next thing you know he's getting uh, choked out. And um, we, you know, since then we've been preaching this, like, listen, you get a 25 minutes or 15 minutes of focus and all these guys are dangerous. And uh, I think he showed that in this fight, you know, it was 25 minutes of him being like hyper vigilant, super, super, uh, 
you know, disciplined and following the game plan and not making mistakes, like resisting that urge to rush in when you think you might be able to knock him out with one more. But at the same time, he's pretty dangerous in that spot. And let's uh, pull back, reset, and, and, you know, go through our progressions. And then um, you look at the last loss, you know, the, the Asansa lost. And, you know, he was able to take Rob down and kind of neutralize him a little bit. Rob didn't have really the answer to get back up. But I remember after that fight, he was like, I got to – I really show up my wrestling and since then he's been wrestling up in Maine a few days a week with uh John Dupree and his team and you know Rob if you look at the the Rice fight and you know even this fight if you know he gets taken down he get back up you know um obviously we'd like to see it where he just defends the takedown the first time but you know this is us being picky as coaches and hopefully next time you know there is no first takedown it's just we defend the first shot but yeah I mean I think he looked at those three losses and then the big holes that were present in those losses. And, and you look at how he executed in this fight and all those things were shored up. Those holes in the boat were filled and uh, it didn't cost him a loss this time. So uh, I'm super proud of him as a, uh, as a friend and, you know, as a fan and also, you know, very proud as a coach that just to see how far he's come and, and finally get that moment. Um, You know, main event, UFC, walkout second, um, being on the poster, all those you know, bucket list things that these young amateur fighters now like dream of doing one day, he got to do. Yeah, it was it was remarkable, and I think the way he handled himself during fight week as well as after, like just composed, like just seemed so calm, like he was ready for it. I feel like the mental game is just as important as the physical. Um, what do you do as a coach to, to kind of help him prep for that? Like you said, first main event, obviously something Calvin's experienced as well, so I'm sure he had uh, some input there. But how do you get these guys to kind of like? You know, just enjoy it and don't don't get let it get to your head like like you said the first time. Yeah, I think, I think him being able to uh, go to Calvin's main events and see the media, be part of the media, see the whole process, get to walk through the whole you know gauntlet of media and that, that extra you know you do a longer walk when you're main event. Calvin's done it both in the blue corner and the red corner, so he just got to be part of that whole ride, you know, and, and see how Calvin handled it, and you realize like it's not different. It's just a little bit more. It's just a little extra of the same thing. And, um, you know, two extra rounds if you need them. And but other than that, like you realize like, Oh, it's just, it's just the same thing. It's just another fight. And, um, you know, just in terms of just getting the guys not to feel overwhelmed by that, you just try to remind them, you know, it's, if this guy came into the gym on a Saturday to spar five fives with you, what would you do to him? You know, but now let's go do that. And, um, you just try to kind of bring it home and, you know, this isn't life or death. You know, this is a sport. This is, you know, obviously it's their livelihood. But at the end of the day, like, we, we, we started doing this for fun. And it still is fun. So I think sometimes you can overthink it. And I think Rob had a big epiphany before the Marais fight where he he was really kind of overthinking, you know, what, what was on the other side of a win, what was on the other side of a loss, and, like, putting that pressure on himself. And then he, you know, he kind of, you know, he's been – doing a lot of like internal, you know, internal thinking and, you know, doing a lot of reading and listening to, you know, podcasts and stuff. And he came to the realization that like, listen, I, I had to stop putting so much pressure on myself. And, um, you know, and that comes from somewhere internal. That wasn't us asking him to do that. That's him like as a man and an athlete figuring out like, okay, like I'm feeling certain things. Let me try this. And it's clearly had a, uh, a profound effect on the, on the way he's performing. Cause he's going, I got against these, so two of the skyscrapers in the division and he and he's like kind of walking through them so um yeah props to him for that but overall i i really do think the experience of getting to shadow calvin over the last year when he had his injury 
uh, has definitely had a, a positive impact on Rob. You said that he took that time to, to read books and, and whatnot. I, I do know that he had some injuries and some layoffs. He only fought Ricky Simone. That's the only fight he had before these two previous ones in the span of two years. Like that, that's not, it's not a whole lot for, 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 for an athlete. Do you think that that time off really kind of benefited him? Like I know a lot of fighters want to stay active, but do you think, you know, a forced layoff uh, benefited someone like Rob? Yeah, I think, you know, he kind of said it in the, the, the pre-fight media interviews. He was saying like that, that, forced time off like the injury you know in one year that was an injury and another year that we were just a healthy scratch we had a couple of fights fall out on you know on fight week then the other people not accepting fights or whatever and you know longer delay and we end up only fighting once in i think 2019 and then he hurt the knee so it was like it was just tough you know and he said uh it forced him to learn to be patient you know and uh Patience is a huge virtue in this game. You got to focus on what you can control, and the only things generally we can always control is: is, is are we getting better, and are we, um, you know, staying in shape? And uh, you know, he he's proven that he's willing to do that. He doesn't always need to have a bout agreement signed to stay ready and, and be improving. And I think that's uh, one of the small things that sets him apart from uh, a lot of fighters is that you know when we don't have a bout agreement, we're still getting better. And uh, that leads me to this next question. I mean, one of your other fighters, Calvin Cater, he, uh, he's kind of going through that same sort of thing where he's taking a layoff here. Um, I understand the reason for it, you know, just mental, mental break from, uh, from fighting and everything, uh, as well as the, the, the fight itself. How do you think, how, how is he handling this layoff? I'm sure Calvin, these guys probably just want to fight, but how is he taking the, the forced layoff? I, I think he's good, you know. I think he he really trusts the people around him. Um, you know, we do have his best interests in mind and, and could he go fight right now and be fine? Sure. But you know, there's no rush. He's uh, he was just super active for a couple of years and he was just in camp after camp. After camp. He was never resting, like, you know, little lingering injuries. He just never had a chance to like decompress, heal and just like live life a little bit. And, you know, he's still in the gym every day. Like, I think when, when I say things like that, people are like, oh, Calvin's just, you know, he's not in the gym. Calvin trained two a days on Rob's fight week. You know, he was hitting mitts every day and rolling every day and, and lifting and then doing his stretching and stuff like that. So Calvin's like, he's, I always say this, like Rob and Calvin, when they're not in camp, they're at like a six or a seven. When most fighters, I think, are at like a two or a three. So I feel like right now, Calvin's already training more than most people that are in camp. Um, it's just a watered down version for, for him because he's so, you know, he's such a hard worker. Um, yeah, he's antsy to get back in there, but you know, there's no rush. We'll still get another fight at the end of this year. And, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll work on some things because when you go through a fight like he did, like, um, you know, you just, you just gotta get some holes to fill, you know, and, and, and we've talked about that as a team and internally, and we have some ideas of what we're going to do to, you know, make sure that doesn't happen again. And um, that's only going to be better with time. You know, the longer he sits out, the better he'll be when he comes back. And um, I think it's it's prudent for us to resist that urge that every fighter has after a loss to be like, oh, I want to get that one back. I want to hurry up and get back in there. And I think that's, you know, it can work out sometimes, but in the long run, like, you know, let, let's go back to the gym. That, that was a, a big spotlight on some things that we need to change. And then when we come back in the fall, like we should be that much better. Yeah, I want to I want to get your your thoughts on the fight. I mean, the the fight with Max Holloway was one of the best fights we we, we have ever seen. Obviously, mm -hmm. um, people were talking about Max's boxing, but I thought Calvin looked 
incredible uh, as well uh, in that fight. He's kind of the measuring stick, right? Like he's the best featherweight of all time. He's one of the best uh, fighters of our generation. How, how do you kind of take a loss like that and, and kind of turn it into a positive and said, look, you look good. You know, you just fought the greatest fighter there is. But how do you do that as a coach? I think, you know, we witnessed greatness that night. You know, I think people are going to talk about that performance. And I think, um, you know, they'll say Calvin's tough. And that's great to be tough. But, you know, Calvin said, right, he doesn't be known for being tough. You, you know, that's not something you want to be known for. Um, he got to, to climb that mountain and, and feel the, the highest skill that's ever been on display in the featherweight division in, in a 25-minute, you know, window there and he got to feel that and he felt it for 25 minutes and you know he calvin's way of kind of handling it was like listen i feel like i didn't fight good and maybe that's because max you know you know put his uh his pressure on us and, and kind of dictated everything and but you know calvin left the fight he he didn't feel like he performed to his capabilities and but at the same time we acknowledge that max probably performed better than he's ever performed ever you know and and still it's like we survived, you know, and there's just something to be said for that. And you feel that, that level. And then you're like, okay, this is, this is where I need to be. And, and there's a rub there, you know, when you, you, you know, you can't go 25 minutes with Max the way he just performed and have everybody still talking about it six months later, five months later, where it is, and um, not get a rub from that and not feel like, okay, like I felt greatness and like, it's going to make me better too. And to be honest, I, I really think like, you know, after the Rob fought Cody Garnett fight, a lot of people are talking about the Max Holloway fight um, with Cater. They're kind of comparing the same things just because the number of significant strikes and the fact that it was, you know, five war and, you know, it wasn't, you know, I know there's a couple of trolls being like, oh, Cody with COVID and this and that. It's like, no, I, I don't think you take anything away from Cody in that fight. I think it's just Rob was just so on. Um, so it's just, it's interesting for us being on the other side now, you know, um, I, I still think Cody's an amazing fighter. I think he's from a great camp. He's got great coaches. Um, you know, it's not any, well, obviously it is easier, but, uh, being on this end when you're on the winning side of it, but you still feel for Cody, you know, you say, man, it's like, I don't know if there's much you could have done to be Rob on Saturday, just because he was just so well put together mentally and physically and, it's just, you know, his whole career kind of culminated into that, that performance. And um, I don't know that even if Cody did do X, Y, or Z or zigged when he should have zagged, I don't know how much of a difference it would have made. And so it's just interesting for us as a team to, you know, have Rob sitting through that back in January with Max and getting to witness it, you know, but then him coming out and doing the same thing to someone else, you know, the numbers of significant strikes weren't as much, but um, people are, you know, a lot of people are drawing comparisons between these fights. And I think, you know, Rob's gonna, you know, I know, I know I'm rambling, but it's just, you see like Rob got to witness something that night and then he just kind of did it to himself. You know, he, he did it himself to, uh, to Cody. And, um, I just got to think that like now Calvin being on both ends of it, being on the losing end with, with Matt feeling the greatest that's ever done it. And then seeing Rob kind of do the same thing on the on the other end and being in the corner for that, I just got to think it's going to have a rub that's going to go and play into, into Calvin's next fight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do want to talk about one one other guy here, Tom Pags. I mean, a lot of people forget about him. Um, 
like you said, I mean, these guys are are interchangeable. You can't you can't mention Rob Font without without mentioning Calvin and, and vice versa. But someone that kind of deserves a little bit of credit here is is one of their main training partners who's you know, he's got one pro fight, but he'll be here one day. What how how important is he to, to helping guys like Rob and Calvin? And what does it mean to have someone like him around? Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's uh it's you know, sometimes he's a body, sometimes he's a uh He's, you know, the punching bag because he's a young kid on the team. pays him a little bit. And, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, I, I know I joke around with him a little bit and tell him he's a young buck and try to carry our bags and stuff. He doesn't all fall for it. But, you know, when the, you know, when the shit's a fan, so to speak, and he gets a call on four days notice to drive to Philadelphia, we all dropped what we're doing and we went with him. You know, we we, slept, we shared beds and the floors in a hotel room so he could, you know, get his rest on Friday night. And, we, you know, I drove overnight on the way home so you get home stuff like that like you know he's well us three are willing to sacrifice just as much for him as he is for us and that you know it's kind of one of those things that i think that's the you know our team aside is that you know i'm not i'm not just handling the ufc guys i'm doing the same thing that i would do for them i'm doing for tom and he's only you know he wasn't even a pro until his last fight and and tom on the flip side is is he's putting in those that work just like a top five UFC fighter. He's putting the hours and he's still, you know, he's got a lot to learn still. He's got you know, ways to go and he's got a lot of, of mental growing to do because that's what that sport is. You know, you cut your teeth as a pro and you, and you learn lessons along the way. And he, those, some of those lessons you just can't learn until you get in there and get the fights yourself. But he's benchmarking for sure off of uh, all the lessons that our teams learned from the past. He's benefiting from us executing differently. Um, he's benchmarking off of Calvin, seeing how they train um, and saying, oh, I can't do that. Rob said not to do it, or Calvin said not to do it, or I like how Calvin does this. And, you know, he's figuring out kind of make his own style off of the way our camps run and the way those two train. But, I mean, if you're a 1 and 0 fighter, like who better at 145, who better to benchmark than off of Rob Font and Calvin Cater? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it showed in his performance. I mean, to take that fight on short notice and to get it done late in the, late in the fight, um, really, really showed a lot of character. And he took that on short notice. What went behind that decision? Like, you know what? Like, you're going to accept this fight. It's four days out. Uh, pro debut. Like, no one does that. You know, usually fighters want proper preparation. A lot of – lots on the line here. Like, if you, you don't want to lose your first pro fight, he took the fight and he got it done. What went behind that decision? Yeah, I mean, I got the call, I think, on a Sunday night for a fight on Friday. And, um, you know, Tom, the whole pandemic, he didn't have a fight. Um, he, but he trained, he was in every camp with Rob or, you know, every camp with Calvin, he was at our house lifting when the, all the gyms were shut. He was coming in for those sessions that he needed to come in for, you know, um, he was, he was there for all, he was running hills with us. Uh, he was doing all those things, you know, he was in camp with them as if he had a fight and he didn't have a fight. So when the call came, his weight was already low his he was already in shape. We knew we could go three hard rounds and he'd been in the gym. Um, you know, I think the only thing different is maybe we would have done a little, if we knew we had a fight, we would have done some more sparring, but you know, it's, you know, sometimes I think you can overthink a pro debut and, and, and we know what we have in Tom, you know, we know how skilled he is and um, we know what he's capable of. And, and when they sent us the name, Hey, who'd you get for this guy? Like, oh, Tom would kill this kid. And, you know, we went back and, and I think the other kid probably knew it too. Like they, they probably didn't want to fight someone like Tom. But, you know, you sell out the place, it's your pro debut, you get a banner made, you get a bunch of t-shirts, everybody in the stands is your fan, 
you know, you've been training for two, three months, your opponent pulls out four days out, what are you going to do? Send everybody home or are you going to take a risk? And, you know, those are the choices that you have and they just to take the risk and, you know, it was at our benefit. And, um, yeah, I was just so proud of him. And I think he's a, a glaring example to young fighters that, you know, you, you don't only train when you have a bout agreement. You know, young fighters, amateur fighters, fighters in their first four or five pro fights, they, they shouldn't be doing camps. They should just, this is their life. They should be training year round. And then when you get a fight, it's like, okay, you dial it up a little bit, but like not much should change. It shouldn't be like, hey guys, I can't do this now because I have a fight. I'm in camp. It's like not, not much should change when you're in camp. Um, this guy lives and breathes fighting, you know, his whole job is to show up and train and keep improving. And then, you know, we set up the people that he's supposed to knock down and, and then he keeps, you know, learning from guys like Rob and Calvin and the other coaches. And, uh, you know, he proved that, you know, he went in against a pretty tough kid from a good gym and, you know, Sean Brady was in the other corner and, uh, you know, UFC vet there. And, um, you know, he just showed that, you know, he's got a bright future and now we just got to you know, keep the momentum going. I'll ask you a, a couple more. I know I don't want to take up too too much more of your time, but uh, every time we catch up, it, I feel like I may as well make the most of the opportunity. Um, we talked about a little bit about the three of them, and I think one thing that separates the New England cartel from most other gyms is is the fact that they are tight-knit. Like I said, you can't really mention Rob Font without mentioning Calvin Cater, without mentioning Tom, without mentioning you. How how important is that that unity between not just the four of you but anybody who walks in with you guys? How important is it, and what's it like to to be so close with I guess not just your friends but but your business partners, your, your you know your your athletes? It's it's got to be unique, and and what's it like to ha- to have those guys so be so close to one another? I mean, I just it's not an accident, you know. You they say you are who you surround yourself with, and you know. So that would mean that I'm Rob, Tom, and Kevin, right? You know, and, and, and vice versa. So, you know, the, a few years ago when, when we split off, we kind of did our own thing. We had this vision of how this could be done. And I had some ideas that were at the time probably controversial. And I felt like, listen, we don't need all these people in the room. We need we need less people. We need more more attention to the fighter. We need the, the, the schedules built around the fighter's schedule, not the fighter's schedule built around the gym schedule or the coach's schedule. I think it's... You need to have people around you dedicated to your career that their job is 100% just to make fighters better. You know, you can't have some of these part-time coaches, these guys that coach on the side. Um, you know, you got to have the best coaches. You got to have the best training partners. And, and you got to have only people in the room who are going to add value. No, no people that are just taking away your time, asking stupid questions, like holding the team back. It's I, I really feel like these guys deserved that and, and, and they bought into it. And um, I think the, the results are speaking for themselves, fortunately, you know, cause we all did take a risk in that, you know, no one had ever called me a head coach before and um, Rob believed me and, and um, you know, we've had some success since then. And, and then we got, you know, Calvin and, and, and Tom are there too. And, you know, we have a lot of other people that are trying to train with us and, and we just, you know, we're keeping the group really small, you know, there's, it's just not a lot of people who are going to, mesh with us the way that we mesh with each other so anybody who gets in on the team it's 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 gonna be because they passed all the sniff tests and they passed all the the hard work tests and all that stuff and um they're just gonna it's gonna be someone who we think that you know we believe in we see their work ethic we believe we like them as people 
and then uh, and that we we buy into their vision and then they buy into ours and they're going to make us better. We're going to make them better. But um, I just don't see how you do it any other way. I don't see how you can go into. And obviously, it works, but I I just don't comfortable like coaching fifty guys. It's like yeah, I can be a coach and be cornering every weekend at a UFC, but it's like who? When am I coaching you? You know, at that point, I'm just a professional corner. Uh, maybe one day a week, and I'm with these guys six days a week, sometimes two sessions a day. So, it's um, yeah, it's just like there's different ways to skin a cat, and this is the way that I thought would be. I I just thought they deserved, you know, like I know what when I was fighting, what I had and what I didn't have, and I always thought like, you know, it'd be nice if we had X, Y, and Z, and then I got to the position where I was able to implement X, Y, and Z for other people that, you know, were not only my friends but were excellent players and that I believed in. And um, fortunately, it's been working. And then uh, I'll ask you one last question before before I let you go. I know a, a friend of yours and also like a, a friendly rival is is Eric Nexick. And uh, after Francis Ngannou won his belt, um, you know, he, he kind of paid like respect to, to, to Eric's son. How, how important is it to you to, that your family is behind this? Because I can't imagine it's easy for for their, your kids to, to be okay with you traveling to the other side of the world or, or getting in a car on four days notice and driving across to, to Pennsylvania. I mean, how important is it to, to have that support back home? Yeah, it's, it's everything. You know, I, I, we always say the captains of the cartel are uh, my wife, Rob's girl and Calvin's mom. So, uh, and then you got Savannah and, and Tom's girl. It's like they're without them, none of this is able to happen. You know, if I have a wife at home, that's nagging me. It's like, oh, do you really have to go? Like, we just went out a week early for Rob's fight. She didn't question it. She's like, all right, you know, go do your thing. Like, go get a win, you know? Whereas I think some wives that aren't supportive would be like, do you really have to go? You're going to miss the kids for two weeks? And it's like, yeah, I don't want to be away from the kids two weeks, but I also want to win this fight. And, um, you know, there's there's not much I won't do for, for the guys. I think it's going to help them win. And um, it is what I'm passionate about. And, you know, it's, it takes a supportive uh, partner. And fortunately, I have Sarah that, that does all that. And um, the kids, you know, they miss me. They say clingy for a few days and I get back. You know, my daughter's only one and a half, so she doesn't quite understand yet. She, But, but you know, FaceTime's a – I don't know how they do it if we didn't have FaceTime and, and the video and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, the kids are getting old enough now where they get excited about fights. You know, I have a five-year-old and he's like, Uncle Calvin's going to win or Uncle Rob's going to win. And, you know, they want to be fighters when they get older and um, they call him Uncle Calvin, Uncle Rob. And, and you know, it's, a, it, it's cool. And then they get to see their dad on TV and – that's exciting. But yeah, I just, I thought that was a cool moment when I saw Nganu mentioned Eric's, uh, Eric's son and then his wife recorded it. And that was uh, as cool as a dad to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I tear wrenching. I started tearing up a little bit. I don't have kids, but I, I was like, yeah. Oh wow. Like, uh, but, uh, but man, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Thanks again for the time. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, I know how busy you are, uh, front runner for coach of the year too. I know that's probably not an accolade that means as much as, as a win, but uh, you're my front runner for coach of the year. And I can't wait to see what the rest of 2021 has in store. I appreciate that, man. Thank you.